Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, Scott Lou and Greg White here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to it's today's late. live stream. Greg, how you doing? What's going on? <laughs> Just sliding in here a few minutes late here, a little late for lunch. You know, we were working hard this morning, Scott, so we didn't hit the lunch hour right on time, did we? No, we didn't. And, and you know, we've been doing some late breaking, innovating, adapting, overcoming, you name it. There we you go. Know. Murphy's the law Marines would be proud. <laughs> Murphy's law is alive and well, and everybody's trying to take our bandwidth these days. But nevertheless, we've got a solution because we've got an incredible team here. And today, Greg, are you ready for yes, today's Scott. show? Always. Always. One of our favorites. Uh, yeah, the, this is the show that makes the months seem really short, right? Because you go, <laughs> oh, it's time for that again. Yeah. That's right. That is right. So what Greg's talking about is uh, supply chain today and, and tomorrow with Mike Griswold with Gartner, one of our longest running series here, one of our most popular series. And I tell you, Mike is a more consistent than or Bill Russell, the late Bill Russell, which we're going to talk about in just a second. I was thinking baseball analogy with Austin Riley, who is hotly consistent for the Braves, one of the best third basemen in all of the game these, lately here. Especially in clutch situations, you love to see him come to the plate when miracles need to happen in, in the ninth inning, right? You are so right. So today, with all those analogies uh, used up, we got plenty more. We're running with the back-to-school theme. We're going to be talking about if global supply chains were headed back for a brand-new school year right at this very moment, what would yeah. be new about their approach? Because, hey, here in Georgia – at least in Walton County, we're already back in school, August the 2nd. Goodness gracious, yesterday. But Greg, always a big show as we're talking about when Mike Griswold stops by, huh? Yeah, I'm, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, which shouldn't be many people by now, Gartner is the premier analyst organization in the world, and Mike is one of their premier analysts. So if you want to talk about retail, supply chain, you know, any of the th topics we're going to talk about today, Mike is a great go-to, an incredible analyst and former practitioner so he knows of what he speaks you're so right you're so right as the immortal philosopher mc hammer has said sound the bell ah. school's in sucker so uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he said it just like that too <laughs> True. love that oh uh, i had to hide that one from the running show i didn't want to give you a sneak peek of that one but <laughs> So, all right, folks, before Mike joins us uh, here momentarily, one of our favorite conversations, I want to uh, invite you to join us on August 10th. We just had a, a, a planning call yesterday with the one and only James Malley doing some great things at Packard. Uh, join us at 12 noon as we talk about sustainability and profitability, the ripple effect of shipping less air. Greg, kind of an important thing, right? We're going to try and fit everything that we can into this discussion about fitting everything that you can into a box, a truck, a trailer, a container, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what James and his crew do is, um, uh, is figure out how to utilize space most effectively 
the most expensive product to ship is air. Yep. You're because so right. it's worth nothing and it still takes up space. August 10th, 12 noon Eastern time. Join us. It's free to, it's free to join us, but you got you got to register for this webinar. So check out the link in the comments. Uh, well said there, Greg. Okay. So Greg, before we bring Mike in, let's say hello to a few folks. Yeah. we got some of our faves joining us from uh, really across the globe starting. Stacy is back with us. Evening from Zambia via LinkedIn. Stacy was bringing it. Uh, was it was it the buzz this past Monday or maybe last week that Stacy was with us? Do you remember? Every time she's on, yeah. <laughs> also, so an, another model of consistency is what you're saying there. Also, one of our faves, Doctor Julia. Great to be back with you. I saw her comment on uh, your post this morning, Greg. Yeah, always, always with the wise input. You know, I I really appreciate that. Yeah, she really thinks about this stuff. Well, it's like we always say, we have got the sharpest, smartest, most experienced audience in all of uh, global supply chain. So thank you all for being here. And we're looking forward to your comments. Of course, our incredible team we talked about earlier, Catherine is with us here today. Thanks for what you do. Happy to have Mike back. I completely agree with you. Hey, I never get this gentleman's name right, but uh, he's from Texas. That's name. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> yeah. great to have you back with us. Evan Evans uh, via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Remind us somewhere in Texas, I believe, and and also your first name, so I get that right. But great to have you here. First and or last. I mean, I wonder if Evans is his last name. Ah, that's, yeah, that's right. Uh, Sophia, man, two two streams in a row. Greg, we got Sophia with us. One of our faves. Yeah, no kidding. Always out there making the news and making stuff happen. That is so. right. Sophia, you know, one thing we have Working to check on HP, right? Is that right? HP? Uh, let Sophia, us know what you're you got to check, check me on that. I think so. Making uh, supply chain happen at HP. <laughs> also, Sophia, let us know how your sister, your twin sister has been doing. It's been a little while since we checked in on Andrea, I believe. Hey, Dr. Rhonda's back with us. Good morning to you via LinkedIn out in Arizona. Great to see you, Rhonda. Hey, Shelly Phillips is back with us from Colorado, I think. That's Arizona's neighbor, is yep. that, or the, right? Colorado. Okay, I failed the geographic the geography test from time to time. Greg <laughs> Clay is with us. Great to see you here, Diesel. Joey is with us. Joey enjoyed your comment yesterday. I think on the webinar you were talking about the Chaco Taco. Rest in peace. <laughs> so love yeah. your your perspective. I don't understand that. I, I, I mean, it's funny when stuff gets canceled, and then every it seems like everybody mourns for it so what happened there kind of like old coke right Most of you weren't alive then when that <laughs> happened but. well you mean new coke is is dead and gone old coke classic no i mean when they tried to kill old coke and come oh, up with new coke i got gotcha. you yeah, that's what i'm thinking about right Everybody was up in arms yeah everyone up in arms right and suddenly their sales exploded Gotcha. That's right. Best mistake ever made by a major brand, mm. right? Was to That's cancel a... their core product. Right. Man, people are up at arms across the globe. You're so right, Greg. But Joey, great to have you back from the great state of Minnesota. We really have gotten a kick out of your comments and your sense of humor. Sharon's with us via LinkedIn. She says school starts early September in the UK, and it's never too early to plan. Well said, Sharon. Uh, let us know what part of the UK you're in. And Greg, you were right, as always. 
Byron Evans. Byron so Evans. Byron, okay, there we go. Uh, he must be a fellow entrepreneur. So Byron, great to have you back from, that's right, Waco, Texas. I knew that. I knew it was in Texas. So Byron, great to have you here today. Um, I'm there today. <laughs> I bet it is. So y'all keep it coming. Keep the comments coming. We're going to hit as many as we can here today. Wait a second. Valentine, first time joining. Heard great things about you. Well, Valentine, hmm. we appreciate that. Let us know where you're tuned in from, obviously via LinkedIn, and uh, great to have you today. All right, so uh, are we ready to bring in, uh, so folks today, as we try to you know innovate a little bit, problem solve a little bit, get around some of the bandwidth issues that are out there in the greater market, we're going to have Mike Griswold with us in audio version only. So not full 4D like we normally have Mike with us, but he's not going to miss a beat. So... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no puppets either, Greg, no puppets. That's a yeah. good idea. But with no further ado, I want to welcome in Mike Griswold. He is vice president analyst with Gartner. Hey, hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. How's everyone doing there? They're doing wonderful. And, and Greg, he sounds great. Yeah, he does sound great. How do you well, look, I, Mike? I would say well, you look I, today. As I've told everyone, I am designed for video, for audio. I am not designed for video. And and I'm thinking as as you guys were were going through the intro, what other place can people get an MC Hammer reference and a Chaco Taco reference at the same time? Hey, I, good point. That's why people tune in. And hey, good things coming threes and that new Coke, old Coke. Ah, yes. Uh, quick story in in two sentences from Greg. So all of that plus Mike Griswold, who, uh, as we were talking earlier, your ears may have been burning, Mike. You always deliver, and we get a lot of feedback about each of these shows. So the two uh, the two sentences part on Greg that was the remarkable part of that story that it was only two sentences. <laughs> good point. That's my point. Well, I know, hey, Mike, I know Albertson's sold Coke, obviously, but what about Choco Tacos? Did you got, do you know, remember that? I don't know if that was an area of your direct response. Uh, yeah, no idea. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> Just curious how that, how Albert's, you know, how popular Choco Tacos were in the North and Northwest. You know, I've never had one. And really, I, if I'm being honest, I didn't know they were a thing until I saw the grieving over yeah. the, you know, the, the product coming to an end. So, uh, to your point, Greg. Hey, really quick, Andrea. You know, we were just talking about uh, Sophia's sister missing you a lot. I'm okay. Could be better. It's been a sad week, and it's just uh, Wednesday. Well, let us know. We'll send good, good vibes, thoughts, and sympathies your way. But I uh, hope you're hope you're doing well. And one heck of a, a profile shot, Andrea. So great to see you here, Sharon. We were talking about earlier, Mike and Greg in the UK, Bournemouth. And I probably said that wrong. Bournemouth. 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 Mm -hmm. Since 1986, home with a PC check diagnostic software. How about that? PC check. Okay. And Glorimar cannot overcome <laughs> the MC Hammer quote. Yes. I'm with you, uh, Glorimar. But so. she's glad to be here to have heard it, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So let's get some work done. We want to start, Mike, right. uh, as we always do, kind of on just a kind of a non-business question and comment. I want to get actually you and Greg's take here because as we all know, on a serious note, Bill Russell passed away earlier this week, gigantic athlete. I mean, just a Titan really of the sports world of the business world of the societal movement world, you name it the pride of, uh, I believe Monroe, Louisiana, if I've got that right. And we'll get both y'all's take. Yeah. Uh, Mon yeah. That's right. Monroe. We say Monroe, Monroe. here. 
in Georgia, but Monroe. Right. But want to get your you know your your thoughts on his life lived, all of his accomplishments, his legacy. Just kind of what do you think folks will be remembering Bill Russell by you know over the next few months, Mike? Yeah, I think it's th- there's a couple things you summed it up well, Scott. I, I think there's certainly the things that he accomplished on the court, which I think we we have you know I, I think a tendency to have this recency bias, and recency could be twenty years. But, you know, mm-hmm. for a guy that won 11 championships, he has the most championships of anyone in any sport to, to not be in the discussions of the greatest player in his sport, I think is 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 wrong. He has more, as we mentioned before the show, he has more championships than Jordan and um, LeBron combined. He's got, you know, I think, as many as Jordan and Kobe combined. You know, he won 11. Mm. And in people, it, it, it was a long time ago, right? It was in the 60s and the 70s. It was with the Boston Celtics. And I think there is this misperception or misconception that, you know, because he was on a Celtics team, that winning 11 is somehow diminished. Well, you know, no one diminishes Jordan six when he had Scottie Pippen and, you know, John Paxson and Steve Kerr and Dennis Rodman, you know, right. No one diminishes Kobe when he had Shaq. So the fact that he's not in that conversation, I think is wrong off the court, you know, at the time when he was playing, you know, the, the, the social issues that he had to deal with, the social issues he got involved with. There's a famous picture of, of him, Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali, when Muhammad Ali uh, had decided to, to not go to Vietnam. So he, he, he I think, was, was one of the forerunners of someone that was able and willing to bridge those tough discussions and that intersection with sports. Yeah. And you know, I think it's a shame that and it's not just him we could go to oscar robertson you could go to people like jerry west you could go to Mm -hmm. people like rick barry right and i'm definitely dating myself now (laughs) but but we we tend to forget slash diminish the players that were you know great in their generation as as being you know I, I, irrelevant is probably too strong of a word, right. but they don't get the recognition that that they probably should. And, and I'm sure someone that listens to this is like, oh, that, there's Mike, you know, the the get off my lawn guy. <laughs> well, no, it's I think if you appreciate a sport, you need to appreciate the history of the sport, not just what has happened in the last you know ten or fifteen years. So well said, uh, Mike and Greg. I'm coming to you next, but really quick, couple comments. Byron says he is the greatest of all time. Damn Cecil right. agrees with what Mike was uh, sharing out there. And Cecil, great to have you here. Diesel, eleven championships in NBA, two in college basketball with the San Francisco Dons, and two in high school. What a powerhouse they were! Right. Well, and and let's not forget an Olympic medal. I believe that's right. right. So he's a winner. Yeah, he's a yeah. winner. And and you know what. His leadership did not stop, uh, to your point, Mike, at the you know the court boundaries, uh, so to speak. All right, so Greg, weigh in on Bill Russell. Yeah, I don't know what more I could say unless you pour a cold beer down me and we start talking about the greatest players in the NBA because I have an incredibly long diatribe about why Bill Russell is the greatest. It includes everything that Mike said along with all of the social impact that he had, and he did so gracefully on and off the court. And just a force. I mean, mm. just watch the old 
videos of him, tapes <clears throat> of him playing it. And he absolutely dominated the sport. And, and it was not as if there weren't other great players, as you, you know, as, as Mike was talked about in the league at the time. So right. I, I would argue, to, I would argue to the argument of, of, yeah, but he was on the Celtics is he made the Celtics who they were. Yeah. Right. There were a lot of players through those 11 championships that were on and off that team <clears throat> during that time. But Bill Russell was the constant. Well, so. Yeah, Greg, Greg, the other thing I would add to that, you make a great point, And then I, I know we want to get on to business business, Scott. But if you look at at some of the other names that are up there, there there did not tend to be a lot of overlap, meaning playing against each other for significant periods of time. You know, Jordan didn't play against Kobe a whole lot. Jordan never played against LeBron. LeBron and Kobe had limited overlap. Bill Russell went head to head for a number of years with Will Chamberlain, arguably mm -hmm. one of the best players to ever play in the NBA. And he went head to head against him, had a had a, a better record against him. Obviously, basketball is not an individual sport. But if you look at someone who competed against some of the best people in their prime, it's hard to find a better example than Bill Russell. Yeah, well said. Unquestionably. Uh, and you're speaking of Wilt, by the way, in case you didn't know, they were best friends. They had a falling out. They didn't speak for 20 years, but they made, they reconciled, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago and were really good friends. That's, that's a, that's a good. good thing, especially when, you know, the news comes up that uh, Bill Russell passed away. So, Hey, a couple quick comments here, Sophia, she's already got one of your t-shirt isms, a power quote, as she calls it, Mike quote, appreciate the history of the sport, not just what's happening now End quote, as you said, Byron says, not the now. But I treasure the history of the sport and the multiple people that made an impact on sports. That's right, Byron. I love how the game has evolved. And Clay says, I could have been a comedian in another life as well. Talking about Bill Russell. Always stole the show at awards and in documentaries. And Cecil says, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is someone who has been forgotten for all his contributions. That's a great point, point as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I tell you, uh, We've got to tip our sports show again. I love all the comments, uh, Mike and Greg, both of y'all. I love what y'all shared about the one and only Bill Russell. So uh, best wishes to he and his family. One quick comment, and then we're going to get into the main topic for today. Let's see, Andrea answered our question. I guess she was called up in what's going on at Oracle. So, hey, we've all been there. Andrea, if there's anything we can do to help, want to definitely help you connect and, and uh, network. But uh, hang in there, and I'm sure your next opportunity is just around the corner. So all the very best. Okay, so again, we got Mike Griswold, the one and only, with Gartner here in audio fashion only. So if you hear that voice, it's not me and Greg. What's the term? Ventriloquist. Yes, we're not. <laughs> we haven't really dialed in our ability <laughs> to ventriloquize. I, I don't know. Anyway, that is Mike <laughs> Griswold, our dear and uh, monthly guest. So. Central question uh, question today, Greg and Mike. Uh, again, Luton kids are already back in school. They went back to school Tuesday. And a lot of the states, you know, back to school is not for a couple of weeks. But, hey, it is what it is. So the question, I'm going to start with you, Mike, and Greg, I'm going to get your take here, too. If global supply chains were headed back to school this week, new school year, right, new school year, what would be new about their approach? You know, what maybe uh, a different question, uh, but related is uh, what mistakes from the previous school year might they still be thinking about and not make that mistake again? So, Mike, what do you think? Uh, working with our analogy here, what are global supply chains yeah. doing differently? 
I think there there's three things. If we get to all three of them, great. If not, that's fine too. I, I think the, the three things as I was thinking about this question, Scott, is the one, one of them is a recession. And, you know, we can debate whether or not we want to call it that. We can debate whether or not, you know, people think we're going to, we're going to have one. By definition, we are in one or heading towards one. So thinking about, you know, as we go back to school in the era of a recession, what does that mean? That's one. Mm-hmm. I think the other two I'd want to touch on are topics that we we spend a fair amount of time talking about here anyway. One is talent and the other one is metrics. Yep. So let me start maybe with the recession one and let people react to that. We, we've done a ton of research across Broader Gardner. We've just introduced a supply chain kind of playbook around the recession because for mm-hmm. us, we're, we're not going to worry about people debating the topic. We're going to say, you know, you need to think about when this happens, what are you going to do? And there were a couple of of kind of aha, foment, aha moments for me. One is the fact that we are encouraging people to play offense and be on offense during a recession. Mm. Don't wait and let things happen to you. Go out and and do things within your supply chain to position yourself, you know, when when this happens. Another thing that we see is it is about having, you know, a level head and not doing major or trying to do major course corrections. You know, our feeling is, you know, if someone goes in and starts doing overcorrections, that's going to potentially cause challenges for your supply chain. And the last thing is we talk about this idea of one plus four scenarios to think about within your supply chain planning. One of those scenarios in that one plus four. So I guess I guess we didn't want to say five. So we called it one one plus four. (laughs) One of them is, okay. there's going to be no recession. I mean, that that is a legitimate scenario for us, though. The other four seem more likely in terms of how you might want to plan. And, and they, they're they're in two buckets. There's a demand driven bucket where we say there's either going to be a slow recovery or a fast recovery or it's a bucket around supply constraints. And again, it's either a slow recovery or a fast recovery. So my mm-hmm. advice to folks, if we stay going in the back to school um, theme, is you're thinking about going back to school, you need to be thinking about, in our word, in our view, one of these four scenarios. Mm-hmm. And how is your supply chain going to react within each, potentially within each of those four scenarios? And for your particular supply chain, which of these scenarios do you see more likely? Are you going to feel a demand pinch or sorry, a demand surge, say, in a fast recovery? What would you do around that? And if I go maybe to the other end of the spectrum, if you feel like you're in a supply constrained environment and we're going to have a slow recovery, what does that mean to you as well? But yep. to me, fundamentally, tackling this idea of a recession head on to me is lesson number one as we go back to school. Yep. Okay. So Greg, I'm gonna get you to comment in just a second. I want to share a couple really quick. Muhammad, great to have you here via LinkedIn. Welcome. Welcome. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Sulamea from France. Great to have you. Uh, Looking forward to your perspective here today. By the way, it is Dr. Rhonda's birthday, I believe. What? Yes. Happy birthday. Happy birthday from the whole game. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That is right. And then also, you've already got some points. So Mike's a big fan of what you're already saying, Mike, being proactive, not reactive. And David, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Okay, so 
if I'm keeping score, Greg, at a high level, Mike was sharing you know three point plan, play offense, more about small adjustments rather than trying to, to turn the whole ship. And that one plus four scenarios because obviously there's a Brett Favre fan at Gartner, and whoever I don't know who was number five. I don't know who legendary number five. Anyway, so Greg, your comments on those three things? Yeah, I think I go above supply chain, and then I'm going to back into how supply chains need make cash, hoard cash, create cash, whatever. Right? Okay. Cash, 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 <laughs> and then there's cash. Look, comp- in in a drawdown, a slowdown, a recession, whatever you want to call it, you have to have cash. Two reasons. One, well, not just for two reasons, but but one is if you want to go offensive, it takes cash to do that. For instance, what happens is a lot of the weak companies with good products struggle and they get gobbled up by strong companies, right, who have cash in a recession. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of opportunity created in a recession and there's a lot of of struggle created in a recession and cash solves both of those. You know, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it will buy you out of a lot of sadness. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, so I think to the way that, that goes to supply chain drives right back into what Mike was talking about. You have to get really efficient with how you manage your inventory, how you balance demand supply inventories in within your supply chain. And to do that, you have to have a really very clear level of transparency and ability into your own supply chain. And a lot of those dynamics, those fragilities that Mike talked about that can impact that. I'm a big fan of, I wouldn't worry about what causes an outcome that hinders your company. Focus on the hindrance and what you would do for it and then watch for those causes like Mike is talking about that that start to indicate a demand slowdown or a supply slowdown or a shift in demand. Shifts are really mm-hmm. dangerous because you, you have all this inventory like lawn, like uh, patio furniture, which right. by the way, if you haven't realized that it's on sale, it is on sale everywhere <laughs> and big discounts because everyone was wrong, right? Target, Walmart, Kohl's predominantly announced how wrong they were on that. But they also had money invested that they could have invested in things that were moving. Yep. And that's why the cash becomes important is for every mistake you offset in terms of over investing in something, that's cash you have to either put towards the business to continue operating or to put to what is selling, as Mike said, yep. some things will increase in demand in the supply chain. So that balance really becomes very, very important. Buying on shorter time horizons is also very, very critical. Right. Don't I mean, if you can avoid it and it's this is a very delicate situation right now, but mm-hmm. don't buy something with a six month lead time that has a, a two month lifespan like patio furniture in in big speculative quantities. Right. You, you need to really think through and model what your risk is there in terms of that, because you are stuck with it when you know when it happens, if you have to buy it six months before the season or the uplift or the trend, whatever, and you miss, you can be released with it. Something Mike and I thankfully avoided in large part because of the industries we were in, but it's huge in fashion and in highly seasonal retail. And that's who's going to get caught Mm. on the back foot, by the way, is the retailers. Okay. 
So appreciate what you and Mike have already shared. A lot, we're going to we're gonna have to deconstruct some of this. I'll share a couple of quick comments and then we'll get Mike's reaction. Shelly, uh, cash is king. And Greg started that and pounded out on the front end of his response. Uh, David, great to see you from Tampa Bay. I appreciate that. Hopefully uh, things are going well there. I think your baseball team is doing pretty good. Byron's talking about being creative and generating revenue. That's right. We heard, you know, uh, Greg yesterday from the webinar, free your mind, right, was a big theme. Right. Not being so tied to the norms and current assumptions, you, you know, being creative in a meaningful way, Byron. Uh, Michael says creative, but careful, creative, but careful. That's a great comment. Sometimes risky creativity in a time when it's hard to recover can be really, really dangerous. But mm. yes. And I know that's what Byron means, by the way. Right. I just want to make sure everybody takes that in the spirit in which it's intended. Mike Aver says uh, Yahoo Finance had a good, good article laying out how private equity companies have been buying public companies at record speed over the last quarter. We'll have to check that out. Saeed, welcome in from Morocco uh, via LinkedIn. We were just inter interviewing a supply chain leader yesterday from Morocco and talking about culture and culinary stuff, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Cecil says mitigate risk in supply and demand. Risk, of course, risk mitigation, risk management continues to be king, queen, you name it. And finally, Dr. Rhonda says money certainly helps us feel a little more secure during different struggles outside of our control. Liking your fiscally uh, mindful thinking, Greg. Okay, so Mike, um, I'm not capturing everything Greg said because I couldn't write fast enough, but cash, 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 being efficient, cash. right? <laughs> Maximizing efficiency in your operations and then looking for those signals, right? Those shifts so you can get out ahead. But Mike, your response to those and anything else that you heard Greg say? Yeah, I think as usual, Greg is spot on. I think the the challenge we're going to have is, you know, it, it's kind of like when you have kids and they get to a certain age and it's time to have the conversation, right? Is mom going to do it? Is dad going to do it? When we get into the recession discussion, right, I think a lot of people will defer to finance, because they think it is a, a, a financial topic. My advice to people is, is the supply chain needs to insert themselves in that conversation, whether you want to or not, because there are ramifications, all of which Greg highlighted very well. There are decisions that are non-finance decisions that the supply chain can influence and or has a direct impact on. So mm. I encourage supply chain, and I think during COVID, one of the things that came out of it that helped the supply chain is our status was elevated in the organization. We were moved from the little kids table at Thanksgiving to, hey, you know, in some instances at the head of the table making the toasts. Sure. I think we need to translate that currency into the, our into this recession discussion. We've earned the right to have that discussion with finance and, and other parts of the business because I don't think, Greg, to your point, if we leave this in the hands of finance, cash is good, right? And I don't disagree with that. But the other the other C word that comes up is cost. And we mm -hmm. don't want to have a myopic focus on cost that can happen when only finance is having these discussions. Yeah. And then this will be a stagflationary period, right? Where the con where the economy will go backwards, but prices will remain high in a lot of cases because yeah. monetary policy we've already seen isn't impacting the inflation rate yet right because the inflation rate is so far up i mean inflation is caused so far up the supply chain 
that monetary policy, which impacts consumers, hasn't yet impacted the supplies right. of of products yet. So, and there's so much disruption in the supply chain that those costs will be hidden for for quite some time, right? Yep, agree. Um, I, I think what, one of the things we have to really guard against, Scott, is is not, is people being responding the way they always have right which is to tighten their belt and when that happens investment in, in creativity right like byron was talking about in technology in supply chain other than cost saving meaning creating efficiency right. which often takes process change or or technology um, or training for for human capital for people those things tend to get tightened right out of the budget. And that's, I think, Mike, that's probably some of the underlying things that you're not addressing specifically, but are the risk when finance leads an initiative right. uh, during a period like this. Agree completely. So I've got 1236. We want to protect Greg and Mike's time, everybody's time here. And thanks for everybody for bearing with us. Again, uh, tuned in audibly. We've got Mike Griswold with Gartner, our regular monthly guest that joins us the first Wednesday of each month, one of our longest running series. So so let's uh, let's do this. I want to go back to an earlier point both of you are making. Dr. Julia, acting with caution is crucial. Both of y'all have really made that point as one of a uh, uh, Mike's first three, you know, making those small adjustments during these crazy times rather than trying to to turn a ship and, and overcorrect. Mike Aver says, my corporate finance professor always told us when times get tight, the ropes get short, the rope gets shorter, meaning control is brought closer to management as times got tougher. Yep. Excellent point there. Sophia says supply chain cannot be separated from finance anymore. To Mike's point and Greg's point, we need to be bilingual and start leading conversations and action and in action with strong money slash number oriented foundations. Sophia, I think that's not only is that well said, I think that's going to be a, a major theme in global supply chain and uh, new muscles that we're going to be working as practitioners. These uh, there's gonna be a lot more financial intellect in global supply chain practitioner dumb. So great point there, Sophia. Okay. That, I've got to stage advice throughout the company. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, ah, a few point. people outside the finance department, do what Mike talked about, hand it up to finance. They don't know jack about finance. And I think we need to have a better bridge in education or post-education or co corporate training to take people like me who can barely do math and, true. Uh, and enable them to understand. It is true. I can barely do math. And, <laughs> and, and enable them to understand enough about finance yep. to speak intelligently right. and to counter or to enable better yep. discussion. But if you want to, uh, if you want a degree measured, Greg's great with a protractor. And if you want to identify different triangles as being equilateral <laughs> or other, Greg, Greg's I'll your choose. guy. So, yeah. I'll choose yeah. angles. All right. So <laughs> I've got to move us forward for the sake of our conversation here. I'll tell you, we could go down a rabbit. Why do we think Scott has something to go? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think he's protecting his time. You know, it. Gig. you know it. All right. So, so Mike, I want to ask you about something that caught my eye uh, on social earlier this week, and that is this 2022 Gartner yeah. Global Labor Market Survey. There's a lot of great information. I was reading a blog article put out by your colleagues today as I was trying to dive a little deeper because, you know, talent, as we've leaned on, you know, yeah. throughout time, but especially these last couple of years, leaning on the workforce, leaning on the team, 
these incredible individuals that make up global industry. And, and then, of course, finding ways to protect them, finding, finding ways to engage them and develop them, give them opportunities to develop and, and move on up and move into different you know, functional areas, new opportunities. But what's been a couple of key takeaways from this labor market survey that your colleagues put together from your, your side? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple things, Scott. I, I think one is just a, a continued reinforcement that, that there is still some turbulence in the market. There are still people, you know, willing to move around. And, you know, what we talk about in terms of this employee value proposition, you know, why stay, right, versus why am I leaving, right? And as an organization, how do you put emphasis on answering the question, why do people stay? Or why would someone want to stay? I think that we don't spend enough time, I don't think, as supply chain organizations asking ourselves that question. And what are we doing to to give people lots of reasons to say, well, this is why I'm staying, right? I've got a flexible work. I've got, you know, day-to-day challenges that are that are testing me, but testing me in a good way, whatever it might be. I think the other observation I would make, and, and I had... I've had a couple of calls that, I, that I'll characterize as interesting. You know, as we talked about a couple of months ago and, and we talked about the supply chain top 25 and this idea of those four macro trends, human-centric digital automation was one of those four macro trends. And deep within that is this idea of the employee value proposition. And I've walked a couple companies through that and a couple of people have said to me, hey, Mike, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but... You know, there's a recession coming, there's high inflation. Are people really going to think about leaving the job they have today to go to a different job? And my answer to that was, that's a great point, but can you take that risk? If someone is crucial to your organization and and they decide that they're going to up and leave and and they're going to decide to take a risk, what risk does that put on your organization? So, So my answer was, Yes, I think that's a fair point. I think you might see less of that, but it doesn't matter if it's a high if it's a high magnitude person in your organization and they decide to go look for greener pastures, you you're left in a bind. So, I think it's 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 a recognizing that while the number of people you know may not continue this search for for another opportunity, the ones that are highly valuable and highly marketable, they will continue to do that. Mm-hmm. And that just brings me back to why the why people stay conversation, because I think we're going to continue to see that churn in the market. I think it's our responsibility to, to have that compelling answer about why people are staying with us. That's that was one of my big takeaways, Scott. Mike, hallelujah. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, you know, one of the several lines, I think, Greg, uh, again, kind of a different version of what I just shared a minute ago. The last couple of years, you know, I think uh, workforces before the pandemic were even more taken for granted, you know, what folks did uh, to make organizations do what they do to serve the consumer, you name it, just to make the world move forward. And I think one of the silver lines we've talked about time and time again, which what Mike just shared reminds me yet again, is that I think to some degree, it, leaders were smacked across the face you know, and, and, and many cases and Hey, man, this isn't just a, a machine and these people show up every day to deliver. We gotta, we gotta lean into them and, 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 and answer that employee value proposition that Mike was just talking about. But Greg, your thoughts. 
Yeah, I've been blessed to never work in an environment that you described, Scott, so I really can't relate. But I can see where a lot of people do. You hear, you see a lot about it on the internet. Of, I can't even imagine what the work environment might be like. Uh, and on the other, you know, to, uh, I guess another point is hubris to say, where are they going to go? Why would they leave us? Well, the, the why would they say is equally the question, right? I mean, millions and millions of people left the workforce permanently. Almost 4 million people left the workforce permanently just last year, right? People with a lot of tenure and a lot of expertise and and they left just like that and retired, which raises a whole nother point, which we may or may not get to. But but what makes you better than the alternative? It's just switching cost, the switching cost of going to somewhere else. What's to say that that somewhere else isn't more stable, right. less risky than where you are? And that's the evaluation, one of the evaluations that people are making, not just how they're treated, but how stable is your company compared to the one that I might go to? How likely are you to weather this storm versus other companies out there? So, I, I mean, I think there's a lot to think about here, including, Scott, I'll, I'll do it quick, including, I wonder if as the economy comes down and that most of the, of the 4 million people who left the workforce last year were baby boomers nearing retirement age as their retirement kitty goes down, which it has all year this year. <laughs> Might they think about returning to the marketplace and think about the dynamic that that brings someone right. coming with 10 or 20 years of experience, right? Versus someone right. who's relatively new in the job and basically starting it over. I mean, the dynamics of this could be really, really complex. So agreed. I, I, I think gotta... you have to, with candidates, employees and employers have to think about this really carefully and not in, in such a simple way as where else would they go? That's right. 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 Well, we have got some real golden nuggets in the skybox comments here and make Jack Binion uh, jealous here today. I want to start with uh, Cecil. Who? Totally agrees with Mike when it comes to employee retention. David says, I was I was the whole procurement department for nine years for a major hospital. I got tired of working alone with no support. Had to leave two years ago. I can't imagine. David, I bet you could write a story on nine years in that kind of situation. Probably uh, make more than you made during that nine years, too. That's right. So, David, I'd love Sell to know it on YouTube. <laughs> uh, Sophia says the why behind people who stay is crucial to understand what needs to be done to continue their time at the company and how can employers ensure their value in the company. That's poetic, Sophia. And then finally, that's the voice of recent experience, I bet. Isn't it, though? Isn't it? Byron says I was in the medical field 13 years. And two days after my work anniversary, they came in and terminated me and eight others. I was so thankful to have been building my company. I'm not going back. Valuable lesson learned. I lead the company in numbers in all areas. See, I lead the company. For five years? Yes. Okay. Well, hey, Byron, congrats uh, as a, a fellow entrepreneur and founder. More power to you. And uh, we look forward to getting some updates from you. Okay. Mike, coming around the back stretch, I love, man, one of my favorite topics to talk about is the workforce and people and the people of industry. So I appreciate you and Greg's perspective there. You know, as you know, Mike, we were down in Orlando for a supply chain symposium, had a great time down there, uh, connected with some folks that we've only had, only had known digital, you know, for too long and we're able to break bread, had a really good time. What's one of the next big events for Gartner, Mike? 
Yeah, so appreciate that, Scott. The the Orlando event, you know, set a record in attendance, and we had set a record in 2019 at Phoenix. The feedback we received uh, has been really, really positive. I think partly because people were just clamoring for in-person events. But for us, the next big one is September, I think it's the 27th, 28th, and 29th. We're in London for our European event. It's already sold out. So I, I hate to bring it up and get people excited, but th- the venue only holds a thousand people. And we're at a thousand. We, we've sold out. You'll appreciate this, Greg. We've sold out the sponsorships. So again, Whoa. I think it's there. There's a clamoring for, for in-person events. We're really excited about that. And then we're, we're already starting to think about 2024 where we'll be in Orlando and then the European event will go back to its original home, which is in Barcelona. But the September event, the other thing I'll, I'll tease people with is in 2024, we're also going to launch two planning summits. So we have the big supply chain conference, the symposium, which is geared towards chief supply chain officers. The summits are are directed towards their direct reports. So this planning one will be for people that run planning organizations, as well as people that do demand planning, as an example. Mm -hmm. We're going to do one in Phoenix and one in London. So we're really excited about our opportunity to get back together with people in person, starting with this event in September. Man, let's let's do it, Greg. We need to get uh, hook up with Mike and make some uh, some drop ins on these these events. Can you imagine? Greg and Mike, can you imagine the planning that goes on for a planning conference? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, Greg, the, what'd you hear? image that comes immediately to mind is, or the question that comes immediately to mind is, where, Mike, will you be taking, which golf course will you be taking Tom Enright's money? Uh, well, that, that, that remains to be seen, uh, I think, for next year, Greg. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So there's no golf course attached to where you're having the event in, in London. Okay. Uh, no, there is not. So that so that's <laughs> okay. that's the downside. And it's it's actually at, out at, for people familiar with with the London area. It's out at the O2. So it's a, oh. it's not even. I mean, it's it's London. I'm putting that in air quotes right. because it's it's a ways from London. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the sneak peek of coming events. Uh, again, Gartner uh, does such a great job, uh, not only with other aspects of business, but those events are just top notch. We were reminded of that just a couple months ago. A couple of quick comments, and then we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Mike. Dr. Rhonda says, work means different things to different people. Having a more humanistic understanding about work and how it's evolved in purpose, meaning, values, and social connection. This, and social connection needs of a modern society is important to continue to discuss from a diversity and inclusion perspective. Lip service does not work anymore. That is right. Deeds not words. That, that was very nice to put, uh, Rhonda. Glormar, I think the companies need to focus more on hiring than retaining. Glormar, I believe, I'm not putting, I think this is public, but she is a veteran. She's got tons of experience in the in the supplier development space. And I think she's kind of looking at uh, what's next, I believe. Hopefully I've got that right. We enjoyed being a part of our Veterans in Logistics events uh, event of Glormar last week. Now, David, back to David, Mike, and Greg. David is is who put up with being the one-person procurement team. He says, I'm back on the market since pay is much better now, and the culture has improved. David, that's great news. Good. That is great news. And then finally, Sophia is responding to Glormar. Most companies have made it clear that employees are replaceable, 
But now employees have realized that other and better opportunities are out there and that moving towards them is an option too. Nicely put, Sophia. All right. I told y'all we had a ton of golden nuggets in the comments here today. I love it. All right. So Mike Griswold, always a treat. Uh, next month, we'll get you back in full 4D, 5D, whatever the latest technology is, leaning on virtual reality, maybe. But let's make, <laughs> let's make sure folks in know. In the metaverse. That. <laughs> That's right. Metaverse. That's right. Mike Griswold, new, new metaverse. So let's make sure folks know how to connect with you, Mike, and of course, all the cool things Gartner's up to. How, how can folks do that? LinkedIn, for sure. Just send me an email, mike.griswold at gardner.com. Gardner.com has a bunch of stuff. Both, uh, obviously, we spend all of our time on the supply chain because it's most important, but also there's a little business we have on the IT side. So if, if you need have some IT support help you need, yeah, that's the place to go. It's interesting. I, I, my wife and I are going to Scotland in a week and a half. So maybe I can share a little bit of my uh, Scottish trip when we get together in September. Outstanding. Take pictures Definitely. or it didn't happen. That's right, yeah. Greg. <laughs> yes, yes. One one last comment before we let you go, Mike. Uh, we had an opportunity to interview uh, students at Western Michigan University, mm. which is one of those on the Gartner Top 25 Supply Chain School list. And they were, folks, I think you could have dropped them in an executive office that, that's global supply chains. and They wouldn't miss a beat. I mean, they were remarkably bright. So we appreciate that information you put out there. Good. Because it helps people connect and and create great content uh, as we are developing a leadership pipeline into uh, the industry that makes uh, the world happen. So, Mike Griswold with Gartner, thanks so much for your time today, and we look for have a safe trip, and we'll see you next uh, month, September. It's hard to say. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Mike. Take care, Mike. Bye. -bye. Thanks. All right, Greg. It sounds like Mike's got a big trip lined up. Man, I'm, I'm, I'd be excited. Yeah. Well, Scotland is beautiful just grass everywhere. I mean, and yet it's beautiful. So, and also he's, he and his wife are both quite the golfers. So you can bet there will be a wee bit of golf played. <laughs> oh, I bet. I, I wonder who wins those matches. Yeah, I don't, I think he told us once and I can't yeah. remember. She's pretty good. And really? I, I know that. So, all right. So, Catherine in, in our team chat said, "I was I was hoping someone was going to do an accent." And Greg, you just uh, you just delivered. So, thank you very much, uh, Muhammad. Hardly. Welcome in from Egypt via LinkedIn. You're kind of catching us on the tail end of today's live stream, but would love for you to be a part of these. Typically, we go live about 12 noon Eastern time, and of course, we welcome in comments from around the world. So, I hope this finds you well, and great to have you here. Julia, great to have you here. Yeah, Mike always brings it. Yep, thank you. Uh, we're grateful for what he shares here each and every time. Dr. Rhonda said, always enjoy hearing and seeing. Uh, Mike, we'll have that 40 back next month for sure. Uh, Glormar is confirming. So she's looking for the next opportunity. Folks, connect with, connect with Glormar. You know, it, as we all know, Greg, it's about you know building that connection, uh, yeah. that, that network. You know, so you can get market intel, uh, you can get inside tips, you know, maybe even get a conversation you might couldn't get without the network. And it also, Greg, is it what's the um it's not who you know, but who knows you if I'm that's right. if that's a Greg White ism, right? Yeah, who knows you? A lot of people know Scott Luton. If Scott New Luton knows you, it's a lot more likely he can do something to help you. <laughs> Who's the Scott Newton guy? I wonder if uh, he's he's Scott an evil w. twin. <laughs> Scott W. Looting. Looting. That's right. Oh, that was a long day in Vegas, wasn't it? And Sophia, uh, you know, the supply chain now summit, you never know. We're 
you, you, you know, there's a lot of planning we're doing here as well. And I know you were part of kidding with this question, but you know, with these awards that we had that we conducted virtually uh, a month or two ago, we're thinking about different ways. You know, we want to keep the purpose going with those awards and keep serving and, and especially with human trafficking, which it was just in that, you know, the global day on Saturday and modern mm-hmm. slavery. We, you know, we want to double down on the purpose, but as we all know, connecting with people from around the globe is really important, especially in person. So we're, we're going through some conversations. Uh, so who knows? So stay tuned, Sophia. We'd love to have you and uh, Andrea with us uh, whenever we, we pull the trigger on that. All right. So, Greg, we've got just a couple minutes and I, I do want you to speak to this because I think I think a lot of folks are going to be su- surprised really quick. So we can't do the full, fully throated version. But, you know, that Ford earlier today on your supply chain oh, yeah. for today for Wednesday, you, you kind of let off your your uh, your take using Ford CEO's comment, which I'll let you talk about. And, and I think you're going to trigger a lot of thought, as you usually do. But around this particular market, which I bet a lot of folks don't know some of the constraints that we're facing in light of all the demand and, and the fervor for. So, Greg, tell us what you were talking about here today. Yeah. So Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, talked about that because of the initiatives, the goals, and in some cases, the mandates uh, to get to electric vehicles by certain dates, that it's placing a huge strain on raw materials, right? And his quote is, at best, 50% of all raw materials required to meet the combined announced targets for all EV OEMs, electrical vehicle OEMs, is actually available. Only half of what will be needed once we've hit all of the numbers that are either required or, or goals for the marketplace. And the immediate thoughts that came to mind were, that's going to be inflationary. That's going to be a rapid upturn in mining, usually in third world countries who aren't usually the best stewards of the planet, especially when they're doing things fast. And so, you know, it immediately brought to mind all these things and and the fact that we need to think about the impact of, of moving to EVs throughout the entirety of the supply chain, right? I mean, we need to think about the mining and extraction, the, the production, the use, the, the recharging, and then the decommissioning of all of these products and the vehicles themselves. And, you know, it, it, it creates environmental issues on the front end. Some argue that, a, that an EV can't offset the environmental damage that is done during to produce it, right? In its lifetime, it can't offset that. There's the disposal issue with batteries, which of which we're all well aware. And all I want to do is just challenge people to think about all of those aspects. Let's not let those arguments become a hindrance to doing what is really important work. And frankly, I mean, I think as important as it is, it also opens a lot of doors to how we commute, how we travel as humans. First of all, much quicker, because if you've ever driven an EV, man, torque is instantaneous. Watching drag races with EVs will be a lot of fun. Anyway, but but I don't want those kind of hindrances to be an excuse not to do. I want to figure out how to make it environmentally sound on the front end, on the back end, to make the noble purpose of using these vehicles to offset carbon feasible. Yeah. And, you know, anything that is a big change is, is going to have these kind of arguments. It's going to have these kind of impediments. 
when the when the automobile was was created, right? What did people ask for? They asked for a faster horse. Right. Henry Ford gave them the horseless carriage. Uh, uh, the you know the complaints were were huge then. In fact, there's still a law in Kansas that a horseless carriage, translated as automotive automobile, must be preceded by a hundred feet by a man waving a red flag because the vehicles back in that time were so prone to backfiring because they didn't have proper timing in the engine huh. that they would scare the horses when they drove down the street. <laughs> so you had to warn the whole town that you were coming down the street in a horse carriage. <laughs> it's, uh, but we overcame all of that. And I yeah. think we have to think about this new era of vehicles and this new era of environmentally responsible vehicles, the way that we thought about that, or we think about any innovation, usually it's two steps forward and one step back in the initial right. stages. But I want us to think about that really hard because the implications here could literally offset the balance of the planet. If we dig too many holes on one side of the planet, if we take away too much of the of the crust of the planet, it right. could really throw the, the planet literally out of balance. I mean, like out of orbit balance. Right. And the James Webb telescope will capture it all for someone's reality show. Away we out go there in the metaverse. Right. Well, kidding aside, Greg, excellent commentary as usual. Catch Greg's take on a wide variety of things across global business every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings uh, on LinkedIn. So follow him, connect him, uh, connect with him, you name it. But most importantly, weigh in on what he's talking about. Give your take. Give your reaction. You know, that, that's some of the best reading to uh, kind of see the message and, and see the conversations in, in the comments. So y'all check that out. And by the way, kudos to our friends over at Supply Chain Dive that uh, uh, Greg used kind of as a basis to, to, for the vehicle in the, in the message this morning. They do some great work. Okay. So, Greg, a rip-roaring uh, Wild West past hour. Uh, Mike always brings it. Next time we'll get him in person. And who knows, we'll be, well, maybe we'll have to break bread with Mike in person at some point soon. But Greg, always a pleasure Mike, to do these with you. Uh, big thanks to Amanda and Catherine and Clay and Chantel, you name it, whole production team to help make these productions happen. Um, and thanks for all the comments. I tell you, uh, we can never get to all of them. And y'all really brought it today with all kinds of nuggets really from across the globe. So we appreciate that. Uh, but whatever you do to still... Sophia's comment earlier, it is about deeds, not words, right? It's about the actions you take. That's what, that's, that's, that's what, uh, how, you, how you drive outcomes and make change. So with that said, uh, on behalf of Greg White, the whole team here, Scott Luton signing off to now challenging you, all of our listeners, to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.